I am the worst, dude. I'll be like, come on, Dave, let's just give it one shot. I'll be here's how I approach it. I'm like, look, man, you just give it a shot. We go in there, kind of get your bearings, and then see how you feel about it. But then you go in and one really cool thing happens. I'm like, come on, man, we can totally do this. We can totally rise up, man. Get a little bit further. I think here's what we gotta do. And I am such an enabler when it comes to PvP. I am so bad about this. So Full transparency. I just want you to know I'm your friend. That's what you signed up for. The Pathfinder had stalwart companions, each surveying the shattered landscape shrouded in mist. One of them signaled for the rest to gather around. They all stood and looked down a slope where debris had been thrown and saw what seemed to be the foundations of an arena that must have been built here thousands of years ago. Welcome to Ashes Pathfinders, your dedicated and trusted Ashes of Creation podcast. Join us as we share in the journey that reignites the embers and rekindles the flames in the hearts of those long left to cinder. I'm your host, Phoenix, also known as Samorg, and I'm joined today by our returning Pathfinders. So welcome back, Daedalus. Hello, everyone. Also, welcome back, the blurred background, Half Tilt. Hello, hello, everybody. Hope you're well. Yeah, definitely been a minute, man. Well, it seems like not so much for us. We were talking before we got started today. Time just flies, but before the podcast flies by, let me do the the typical announcements on all the things here. Um, before we get started, got to give a big shout out to the home of this podcast over at asheshq.com, the community curated website for all things Ashes of Creation. Also, a shout out to all of the Imperial Flames, which are the supporters here on Twitch, YouTube, and Patreon. Thank you so much for keeping the community's flames here bolstering greater week after week. Also, if you'd like to show us some love, leave us a five-star review over on iTunes. It'd be greatly appreciated. Help to boost us and bump us up in the analytics and the algorithm over there. Let people know that we're a legit podcast. You can do that if you go over to our pinned post on at Ashes Pathfinder on Twitter. You'll see all the links to our places there where you can listen to or watch the podcast. And right there will be the iTunes review. If you do leave a review, um, we will read it here live on the show. Um, also, if you'd like to call in, you can call into 1-539-664-6801. Um, if you're a little shyer than all of that, you can also shoot a message to our Pathfinder grunt at ashespathfinders at gmail.com. Uh, if you'd like to support the podcast, catch us on patreon.com forward slash samorg. All right. Knights of the Phoenix had another community night. It's the guild gathered around this community the greater community it's basically the spearhead of this greater community both for the podcasts the live streams the the websites i mean there's two podcasts here right you can check the other one on thursdays that's the lfm podcast looking for more and um we gathered our homies up and it's been really great because i know daedalus was there um and we played a game called city of heroes which we talked about last time we went and jumped in again and as always we say, hey, it's not just our guild night, it's also our community night. So everybody can come, kind of come gather in with us if they want to. And it was awesome, man. We actually had a bunch more people that jumped in, more than I expected to have for the second time around. And some people would join and some people would leave, but it was good because 
I got to actually play with people that have been part of the Ashes of Creation community or just this greater community that maybe don't always have certain games that we're sometimes playing because there's like a bit of a barrier to entry. And this one was just free to play. And we got like, I think somewhere between, I think around 12 or 13 people that were playing last Friday, not including the ones that were like in the process of downloading the game and creating characters, which that can take you a while. Um, so it was just a lot of fun. And again, <clears throat> next week, on Friday, we got the, the Ashes um, post-show, which we'll do after the Ashes of Creation Developer live stream, which we'll talk about towards the end of the show. And uh, as always, you know, um, you can kind of join us for that. And uh, we'll probably do Community Night a little earlier. So we'll probably go right in, right into Community Night a little earlier than usual right after that. So if anybody's interested in hanging out with the homies here that you see um, around this podcast or just Ashes um, discussions and stuff like that, um, I encourage you all to come join in. And again, there's literally no real bar to entry here. It's pretty, pretty easy. So, yeah, so that was a blast. Um, what else? We had a really good discussion last week. I know Z and several others. Z actually jumped into voice comms and we were talking last Wednesday about Star Wars Galaxies and talking about a lot of things that made that game great. Um, so there was a really good discussion around that and what we wanted to see in Ashes. Um, so, yeah. Why don't we catch up, though, gentlemen? I don't ramble on too much about community stuff, but I guess I guess to me, this is kind of like why I do content creation, why this podcast is here. It's all about community and getting community to sort of, you know, get in there and do stuff together. And it was just really nice to see that. So shout out to everybody that joined. Shout out to all the people that um, or maybe you're thinking about it and haven't yet done so. I definitely encourage you to. But um, I know Daedalus. Uh, why don't we start you off since before we catch up uh, as a whole here? Why don't you kind of talk about something you want to do? Announce to the community. Absolutely. So uh, first of all, yeah, I just wanted to reiterate how much fun uh, community night was with everyone. I mean, we had so many people that were interested. We split off into two groups, and it was great to be able to like you know bond with people and go through and do a few fun things in the game, um, you know, hunt for some achievements that got us some powers and, uh, Absolutely. and also just doing, doing some stuff with, uh, everyone in terms of the, the first trial. So yeah, all, all good stuff. Uh, as far as, Absolutely. um, there was an announcement that I had talked about earlier yeah. this week that I wanted to make sure everybody kind of heard, obviously it's an ashes announcement. And so Sim and I have been going back and forth on the podcast early on about, some project that I was working on and some things that I've been writing. And so what I've um, kind of got on the plate here and I'll be releasing at the end of this month uh, is my first article in a series. I'm not sure how long the series is going to go, um, but so far um, I've got enough content for a few months. And specifically it's called the Herald's Ballad. It is essentially like kind of like a combo blog post, um, feedback post for um, for the greater Ashes community to discuss, but also to, you know, for the developers to kind of take a listen. So uh, if, if you do happen by the home of this uh, podcast, Ashes HQ, uh, I would love it if you would drop in, read the article, give me your thoughts. Even if you disagree, I don't mind because that's whole, the whole point of the articles is to discuss so mm -hmm. the herald's ballad number one will be releasing at the end of this month i'll probably release once a month and the first article i'm planning for the 28th so nice. look for that in about a week 
There we go. Awesome. Looking forward to it. I know we've had, uh, like I said, if you're interested in contributing via articles or pretty much anything in written form right now and you want to also contribute, it's I'm trying to you know curate a place on the HQ where people can just contribute in that way. And we've got you know some people like Skylark who's been helpful with gathering, uh, really helped me out a lot last month because you know I already do like the Ashes post show and then. I try to get the bullet points and I always have been getting them there within 24 hours to have them up there. Um, but him doing it actually made it a lot easier on me because uh, I can get it up, do my part to get it posted and I don't have to spend as much time, um, going through and doing it. And he did is, is just as good of a job as I would do, which is perfect. So all the details are over there. You've got articles for, um, you know, development, development live stream, uh, you know, outlines, and then you've got, you know, data lists is going to be contributing via articles. I've contemplated doing some as well, um, but I think I'm kind of waiting since it'll probably be more uh, either theory crafting related or, yeah, probably theory crafting related, like um, stuff like that. So, Till, how have you been doing? It's been a couple weeks, man. I've been good. I've been uh, doing some real life crafting, um, doing some construction. We're building a new house here soon. So, mm-hmm. uh, been working hard getting ready that that to go and uh, got to run an excavator for my first time ever and I, I must say all my video game experience made it pretty easy to pick up and go by no means an experienced expert but it was fun and yeah so that's gonna be probably the majority of my summer free time is, is building the house and Very really cool. looking forward to getting that done nice uh still chilling playing some games here and there picked up Gran Turismo 7 the other night so Nice. Go back to some being like a teenager. That was one of the games I would play when I was just wasn't feeling like jumping into WoW or something that day. I'd be pick up and go for a race if it wasn't Call of Duty to go shoot some people. So, yeah, I mean, looking forward to it. And it's been been good otherwise. Nice. Yeah. I mean, yeah, myself, I think I was playing Elden Ring for a while there, but uh, I just haven't had as much time. I, I haven't stopped playing it, though. Um, it's just a matter of. uh bandwidth i think uh because i've been on the grind pretty hard with like physical fitness i've got like basically six to between six and seven days a week where i'm like pretty consistently just grinding away and then between that and world building for my novels that i'm working on uh here in the near future it's just it's been crazy but it's been a very satisfying experience so time has been flying by but tons of productivity in regard to like my own projects and then um yeah in, ter- in terms of community i just feel like every time i i go live it's always like hanging out with my homies so you know feel pretty blessed in that way i've always got you know when i do get a chance to socialize <laughs> with my friends i get to go online and catch up with them and you know it's been been a lot of fun uh so we said like last week we we went around bouncing around essentially narrative we thought it was gonna be more lore but it ended up being kind of steering itself naturally into i think a discussion more around the narrative and how it ties into all the different game systems and you know both like rp elements or uh, the character the player narrative themselves like the sort of overall greater story um yeah i think daedalus was hitting on a lot of like you know even like the class story and like what how that sort of looks and unfolds for uh, a player but we had a lot of really good discussion around that. And as promised, we said we're going to talk today about esports. And I think before you really get into talking about Ashes having esports, you got to really look at PvP and sort of take it as the snapshot frame of reference over, well, essentially what esports 
is, right? What elements esports is usually tied into, um, and and what are you know from our perspective, I think uh, have been at least best practices in that regard. And then how can that sort of exist in Ash as a creation, uh, or more importantly, for the sake of our community discussion here, uh, how would we like to see that exist in Ash as a creation? Um, certainly, there have been references to what that might look like previously. Uh, some people that might be newer in the community may not be aware of this. Um, we've rambled on about this previously many, many, many years ago. Um, like I think this was like in the first year of the podcast, like three, four years, whatever, probably four years ago during their PAX pre-alpha, they had done a, essentially people that were there visiting their booth could go and sit down and participate in uh, a PVP arena. Um, which was like a 3v3 sort of scenario, right? Where you go in, you've got three people playing. The The classes offered in that pre-alpha state, which would have been, I believe that was, was that 2018? That was 2018, I think, that we saw that. Because that was, yeah, that was, that, was, that was maybe early 2018. Um, but we saw at that time what their idea of, in some regard, arenas were going to look like. Um, in that aside from just fighting each other and that being sort of like the group dynamic of a three V three scenario, there was also like control points. And that tended to be a large part of like what you'd really do. Now, if you piggyback off of that, you can see how that's been implemented into things like castle sieges that we've seen in alpha one. Um, and in some of the, you know, footage that, you know, happened in testing that Steven and the team have shown off in probably the past year or something like that. Um, so there are definitely elements of you now their arena system I want to point out, okay? And in pointing those out, sort of as a frame of reference and a beginning to our discussion, um, I want to share on the things that were unique in that scenario for the classes you could play that I believed to be what was very interesting about the class and how each class was able to contribute to the overall dynamic, right? So... The tank, right? Something you don't see in the current alpha stages, uh, alpha one specifically that we had recently done. You didn't get to see that that wall. Remember that big wall you could throw up with the tank? It was a pretty big wall, had like a lion's head emblem on it, so sort of. And you could throw that thing up, and it was a it was a literal obstacle, right? It wasn't just this wall where it you know reduced damage. Uh, reduced damage um, from the front of like the tank where they placed it, but it was actually, you know, you, it was an impasse. You'd have to go around it. Um, you know, and if you tried to just push through, you're literally going to be sitting there running against that wall. You had the mage illusion specifically. Um, there was also like a sort of a uh, projectile that you could use. I think it was a force projectile, but the one that specifically was really interesting and unique was this sort of mirror image style thing. We've seen it in games like World of Warcraft has like a mirror image, right? But this one's sort of like, was like these uh, ethereal looking sort of transparent-ish like duplicate forms of a, of a person, the player. So that was like super cool, right? Again, you didn't, you don't see that in Alpha 1, right? Because it kind of has not been in gameplay loop for a while you had the ranger which sadly has not been playable since alpha zero or those testing phases but you had what i consider to be a really beneficial for group dynamics and that was 
the rooting effect and the mark that essentially they would be able to place on uh, a player to where that mark would uh, sort of debuff them and reduce the target's defenses. Then you had the cleric being the fourth one you could play um, where you also don't see this anymore. And it was probably the thing that I felt saddest about with the classes during alpha one. And it was that life and death element that the cleric and, you know, sort of encapsulates. And that's that I target a friend and it heals them. I put down an AOE and a friendly, you know, target or you know, characters in that AOE um, area, the area, then it'll sort of like provide heals or, you know, whatever to them. But if it's an enemy, then it damages them, right? So there was even a single target and there was like the AOE version, which we don't see that anymore. And that was probably a thing I was sassed about in, um, in the Alpha 1. So I don't know how much you two have had evaluated that arena system back then or those classes and the dynamic you might have been able to witness in the video or, or anything. But I'm curious what some of your feedback might have been just, again, looking at that snapshot of time and what we were able to witness about their conceptualization of uh, arena systems at that time. My takeaway, honestly, is a, a little bit <laughs> dated, but I mean, I, I think there was, there definitely were trying to play with like a few different things and just kind of to see where it stuck. Um, I think it, you know, seems to me that since we didn't have the Ranger, in alpha one um that there might be some thinking or some feedback they received or their own plans based on the data that they got that they were looking to rework that class um in terms of like dynamic um it felt like you know between a0 and a1 there was definitely some polish there though i and and like you said ability pruning too so i'm wondering if those abilities are planned later or they're off the table um but it would be interesting to kind of see that as we get closer to alpha 2 them really kind of going through and start providing us with uh, more detailed um i don't want to say class class abilities because i think those abilities are gonna ebb and flow throughout alpha um i would imagine until they kind of nail something that they really feel they're happy with. Um, but I would like them to see to, you know, go in more depth than they have on specifically like what their class fantasy is for each of these archetypes. I think that would help us get a better sense of where they're going and, and be able to provide feedback um, more specifically. Because I know in general, when you start talking about classes really early on, the the one thing that tends to kind of fall by the wayside uh, is is maybe newer thought because we're all all really going through what we know and what we're familiar with. And if Ashes really wants to be kind of more of a paradigm shift, I'm not saying that they have to be different than in the past, but they have to do something unique for each class. And class uniqueness, class identity is super important. Um, in addition to the mechanics of combat, the dynamics of combat are, in my opinion, just as important. Because if there isn't a distinct feel uh, difference, a uh, feel of a difference between classes, and I don't just mean in spells, I mean almost like in playstyle even, 
um, then I think that that's going to be something that is definitely uh, is going to definitely need to be workshopped, right? I think um, to a point. Uh, that and the fact that, you know, they really need to nail the base classes to really have a good idea of how they're going to layer the secondary um, choice on the overall, like, again, play style, combat dynamics, and so on. Right on, man. Yeah, we're definitely going to be talking more about that, uh, what I would say, innovative approach to this sort of system. What about you, Have Tilt? I very much agree with that approach to the class system. Um, I think it's going to be really important that the eight base archetypes are very unique. Like when with what each of those classes or archetypes bring to the battlefield should be distinguishable by the effect that they have on the, the battle and the outcome for pro or con uh, for your party. Um, I, I, I think when you start to add in the augmentation system, that's where you might get a little bit of bleed over, but that distinguishing mm. factor of your primary archetype still needs to take precedence um, there. In regards to small format PvP, such as Arena, where we might be talking about a 1v1, a 3v3, an 8v8 even, um, that's going to that's going to be a little bit different because balancing is out the window when it, like one V one, there's probably going to be two to three classes that really shine there. And if you're not playing one of those two to three classes at the highest level of competition, then you won't be part of the highest level of competition. And, and that's just going to be the nature of the game. If, if that is something that you really strive for and you want to be the top of that leaderboard, regularly then yeah you're going to be min maxing and you're probably going to choose the class that best facilitates that and that's going to be your chosen play style right like that's that's where you find values by your achievement not so much the class that you take to get there it's the destination not the journey for them um where but if as we grow that into larger such as possibly an 8v8 arena type system if that's even going to be a thing i think they talked about 5v5 I see one man, three man, five man, possibly 20 men um, are stuff that's been proposed. So on those smaller ones, that the importance of those individual classes is going to be so strong and how fluently they play together. I like for a three, three V three, it would really suck to see like three or four different team comps dominate the, the system. You know, and wh where those team comps are only changing, the only difference between those three to four team comps is one class changing throughout. Right. So you might have like five classes that dominate it. I'm I'm hoping that there's a little enough impact brought by each class that each style is brings enough dynamically. So you might be able to run in there with a cleric and a fighter and, and a mage and, and you know have a really strong offensive just come in there try to burst everybody down with a little bit of sustain to, to support you. But at the same time, you might be able to come in there with a rogue and a summoner and a bard and be able to have a little bit more group AOE stuff going on and with a little bit of CC and deception mixed in to really throw that type of team off. And that brings two very different elements to completely different play styles that are hopefully viable. And that's what's going to make a compelling PvP system for small format in, in my mind. Um, 
to to go back to your point about that early iteration of arena system i I didn't see the 3v3 but i saw some footage of a 4v4 from back then and yeah it was tank cleric mage and ranger i believe were the four classes in there and it the the arena battleground that it took place on was it had five control points and basically towers that you had to destroy and whoever destroyed them would get like a bonus point accumulation. And it was just about accumulating points over a duration of time. To me, that felt better suited for a larger group. I I, I think I love the idea of having control points and objectives in um, instance PVP like that, like battlegrounds in world of Warcraft were like Arathi Basin, Warsong, Alterac Valley. Those were some of my absolute favorite PvP I've ever done in an MMO. Arena was really good too, but it was meant for more direct combat against each other, right? Like a team deathmatch kind of thing versus uh, focused on those control points. If you don't have enough people or, or if the control points don't accelerate the battle enough it feels very drawn out and that's something that that original 4v4 it felt very drawn out the pvp felt kind of just okay i'll i'll kill you because you're in my way or competing to take out this object for me but my focus is the object so much so that i'm trying to kill this object maybe if you were standing if it was a zone control that you're standing within this the area of this zone or you have to interact with it to capture it. It's like similar to capturing a flag mm-hmm. where you have to interact with it for 15 seconds. But if you get hit or take any damage, you're interrupted and it restarts. That puts a little bit more focus on the PVP. And that's what I think, at least like the, the three man and the five man arena really needs to be focused on is the, just the direct conflict between the teams, not so much having those control points or objectives. Those the objectives, put that in the 20 man, put that in a 16 man. I like the idea of a 16 man because that well yep. they're designing the designing balance around 8v8. Exactly. Well, now you just put two parties of eight together, boom, there's your 16. 20 would be a, a good as well. Anything beyond that, I think, is probably going to be not be an instance PvP scenario. And that's just something that we're going to encounter in the world anyway. This arena needs to bring something different that you're not typically going to find in the world. So maybe we'll we'll get more into how this ties into a potential esports later on but that that system needs to be really engaging and it needs to have a lot of diversity in the classes and compositions that you can bring 1v1 is going to be a scrap there's no way you can balance around that and i don't think that should ever be the focus if if you're playing a class that isn't going to be one of the strongest and you want to compete there re-roll or suck it up cuz that like that's just the way it's going to be and hopefully there's balance patches as the game goes on and it mixes that up a little bit but i feel like predominantly there will always be a couple of classes that really dominate there mm-hmm. <laughs> and if if that cleric secondary augment is really strong and you get a lot of self-healing out of it i feel like that cleric secondary is going to be one of the dominant classes there. right or yeah imagine if you go into a group and you got like a 2v2 scenario and it's literally like two clerics and you go, you go in there as something maybe a little bit more like physical damage, not as bursty. You know what I mean? And you're trying to do some sort of like sustained damage over time. It's a potential stalemate is what that'll that looks that'll end up being. Otherwise, based on points and then timer. So there's like so 
you know, when you were talking about the different, and by the way, I misspoke earlier. It is 4v4. I don't know why I said 3v3, but it was a 4v4 in the PAX, I think it was PAX East. Um, yep. So that's the only arena system we've seen now. Expanding on that, I think World of Warcraft was a good example of variety of arena systems, right? They they split those and called arena and they called battlegrounds is what they call them in that one. Um yeah, but I agree. Like there's we know there's a rock, paper, scissor element to the classes in general, but in the battleground slash arena style of uh PvP. You don't really want people to just get bursted down really fast. You want there to be a competitive element right now. I think to like, this is definitely going to tie into things like diminishing returns, time to kill and stuff like that. Um, and we probably will piggyback off of where I'm at in my head right now too. And in, in talking about, uh, um, you know, variety in, in these, because having it to where there's control points is great for a game mode. Right. But you don't want all of them to be like that. You want to vary it up. And I think that there's something, you know, when you think about like uh, the Elder Scrolls Online is a good example of they have what they call battlegrounds. Essentially, it's like wow arenas. But in that one. um, okay, so World of Warcraft is uh, their arena system, which is small group. Right. Their larger group around. What is it? Ten. I think ten. Is it ten person for battlegrounds or something like that? Ten 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 to 15 yeah for, for the normal battlegrounds and i think yeah. some of the other specialty ones went higher but like winter grasp and stuff that's a whole different thing but yeah and that's right. and that's more like open world sort of thing too um to an extent i mean it is open world but like you can get totally like kicked out of the zone if you're in the middle of doing winter grasp and you're not signed up for it um so world of warcraft's got like i think they had changed it but they had like what was it twos was it threes and fives? Is that what it was? So you had two, two, so, two yeah. threes, and fives. Yeah, for okay. Arena. Right. So in in that one, you had twos, threes, and fives. And the Elder Scrolls Online, you have it's basically uh, what is it? Four v four v four. I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So you got four v four v four. So it's three groups of four, and you go in and you do like uh, they call it. There's like death match. These are pretty typical classic um arena slash battleground styled uh uh layouts right you've got like capture the flag in that game at you know capture the flags in world of warcraft but that's a battleground that's your 10 person one um in arenas it specifically is it's it's deathmatch right essentially it is kill each other and sometimes there are conditions like environmental things that you can take advantage of um things like that but in Devil's Scrolls Online, it's it's literally like 4v4v4, and there's like Deathmatch, there is uh, Capture the Relic, which is like Capture the Flag, there is um, Crazy King, which is Control Points, and then you've got that basically shift around on the map, and then you've got Domination, which is Static Control Points, which don't shift around the map, and it's basically based on points, like how, how long can you hold the points, um, things like that. Um in that game specifically, though, they I think it's a really great example of when the developers do a, a pretty crappy job, in my opinion, of balancing the class dynamics and stuff to where you have more people that go in with these really strong builds. Their proc sets are going off, and they the proc sets will sometimes just kill somebody. You can smash one button. The power creep's so strong on that game at this point that there's they're really real talk. There doesn't you don't have to be that great you you just have to 
follow a specific build, smash the right buttons, and that's it. There's, from my perspective, not nearly as much creativity as that game could be having, like it potentially could have. Um, now, World of Warcraft, you've got diminishing returns in their arena systems, which is something that's, you know, you have it with your classes in general, right? But that's something that people, diminishing returns and cooldowns are something that people have to be very careful about in that one. In the Elder Scrolls, that doesn't really happen um, that much because it's it's really more of like who can overpower who and just nuke them down the fastest. That's pretty much it. Um, and because it's so strong anyway, it, what happens is no one's really wanting or cares to play the other game modes either. Which, if you think about it, um, since that's part of their arena system, which are all called Battlegrounds, right? For that game to have esports, uh, the appeal to me is like it's not really there because there's, you know what I mean? Each game mode doesn't stand out on its own. Um, you don't really have to have very, very different builds to do them all at this point. Used to. Um, and also because of the fact that most people just go in and sort of nuke it all down and essentially mini Zerg everything like they do in Cyrodiil, their large scale PVP. Um, a lot of people are just not really, you know, I mean, most people aren't really going to give it a try if they go in and it's like that, that's their experience. Um, so, and there's like, you know, rating and the rating, the rating doesn't make sense. It's hidden. You know what I mean? You don't really, there's not really transparency around that. Um, World of Warcraft, when you do arenas, there's, I mean, MMR is very obvious. It is front and center. You know what it is, you know, and it, and it makes sure that everybody's sort of getting in there at the arenas to be at the same level. Now you got things like people carrying and stuff like that. But um, I think whether you like world of warcraft or not i have always felt that world of warcraft if i go back to like wrath was from my perspective like the pvp prime scenario for esports it was like the prime scenario for a new player to get their feet wet and sort of like earn their stripes and work towards getting good um without there being a really like i don't think like a severely punishing aspect to failure and at the same time, like enough rewards so that if you were sort of earning your stripes and learning and going in, like you just you didn't feel like you got nothing for your time and you could slowly get better. And there were other options to sort of help to supplement a person get better in PvP. For example, if you were kind of bad at arenas, you could do battlegrounds, which was the larger scale stuff. If you kind of felt like that was a little too much stress, there was the bigger stuff like Wintergrass that had many uh Many more people and cool things like, you know, siege engines and things like that to take walls down and go in and take points and and all of that. Um, so to me, that was like a really good snapshot of like uh, potential esports. I actually aspired to do esports World of Warcraft for a while and was getting pretty good at it. But there were other problems with that game. Um, I guess that's a good question. Then, like, obviously piggyback off of any of my thoughts there. But what games for you guys? Have you, whether you did it yourself or just sort of watched it, did you have a sense that it like, was a really good and satisfying, um, like, esports PvP experience? Mm. Uh, honestly, I would say I the only real exposure I had to PvP, like, in a more extended way has been in World of Warcraft. And I always felt like that system was kind of an afterthought. I mean, I know it definitely has made some strides over time. Um, and they've done more, especially as they like 
as it became kind of an esports platform, uh, for sure. But uh, but I would say like my I guess my biggest issue, and we've kind of talked about some of these things as well, um, is there was just definitely like builds out there that were really good and and skill wasn't as much of a factor i mean i'm not that's not to say that the players that did dominate didn't have skill that that's not not what i'm saying but there is definitely things that could really um stack the deck in your favor and maybe give you less room for error depending on what class or build and it was one of those systems that uh, like i mean i would say honestly a lot of what i was exposed to over the years in world of warcraft has always been an ex um an exclusive system versus an inclusive system so you're always going to say well we need x y and z class to be successful um and i and i know that's easy to say but hard to implement is i hope that's not going to be the case in ashes of creation i hope to half tell's point that there's utility and value in each each of what the class classes could bring to the table um and i mean i i think too what would make it dynamic as well i mean we talked about maybe taking the objective piece out of it which i mean i'm okay with i don't necessarily have like opinion one way or the other about keeping them or, or removing them some removing them would be fine but i think you do need to have and double down on some element of strategy that isn't very one note uh and that could be again with focusing on what the classes can do and what their utility is it could also be making the environment a factor um one of the things i was thinking about as we were talking about well maybe objectives aren't the greatest way to kind of um you know allows you know one set of people to succeed over another right it, it's got to be about that you know um you know, player versus player contact, obviously being a you know an arena, but I would like to see some strategic elements um, like traps or something like that. That again, it's not necessarily traps that are activated by players. Um, it's really just like environmental hazards that come up that you have to navigate. So, um, and maybe that might be you know in arenas that are more advanced or what have you. But I think that might be a good way to insert strategy um, and not necessarily take the focus completely off of interacting with other players. It's almost like, okay, now I need to contend with XYZ player um, and maybe their buddies, but also like this environmental situation as well, whether that be, you know, trap doors or, you know, shooting flames or what have you. But I think that that could be a way to make it dynamic. Uh, but as far as like exposure for me, I I have not been a big PvP player. Um, but the PvP that I have tried, I would say most definitely has been World of Warcraft. And I did arenas for a while. I actually played a priest in um in my arena days, though I've also played on my paladin. Um and and those would probably be the primary. Um I would say they were neither was less stressful than the other there was different dynamics of the level of stress and i i definitely lost more than i won full disclosure but it was still fun um to coordinate with uh with teams on doing that but definitely uh i expect that i'm going to be doing a little more training in the pvp aspect uh 
with Ashes of Creation, knowing that that's something that's more central to how the game is designed, being a PBX game. What do you tell? Uh, yeah, most of my experiences also from World of Warcraft back in Burning Crusade and Wrath of Lich King original launch days. And mm. I... I did a lot of battlegrounds like that was probably my number one focus. It wasn't raiding. It wasn't arenas or whatever else. Battlegrounds is what I queued up for and everything else just kind of happened while it was waiting for the queue to pop. Usually um, that said, I, I did, I did jump in the arenas at one point in TBC with my mage, which was my main at the time uh, with, with an old friend that I'd been playing with for a while. And he was a warlock. So we weren't the best composition <laughs> to be playing. Um, and we knew that we were, did it for fun. We obviously tried to get better and push, but it, we were never having any delusions of pushing up into high level arenas and achieving high rankings and, or anything like that. A big driver was also trying to acquire points, maybe rank up to actually be able to purchase that season's arena gear um, to go out into battlegrounds and just be that much stronger. Um, Damn, beard hair in my mouth. <laughs> it closer into Wrath when I and, and towards the end of Burning Crusade as well. When I had my Druid leveled up, I played a Resto Druid in the arenas and in battlegrounds, and that so that brought a completely different perspective to me and was a ton of fun because the the Resto Druid at that time had so much utility in terms of CC and healing, mobility, and being able to just get out of CC cut and move and just kind of be that moving annoying target that you need to lock down if, <laughs> or isolate in some way, shape or form. And, and that brought up a huge, huge play style and, and leading into something that Daedalus was talking about is that having those environmental in wow, it wasn't hazards, but just it, the environmental build and design bringing line of sight and strategy in that way and, and you know if you're playing a melee team the importance of hugging your pillars and staying behind your walls so that casters had to come in close to you or come around corners and you could catch them so something i really hope to see in ashes is you know with the tank for example we've kind of seen a preview of their skills a little bit being able to grab somebody at range and pull them into you Right. That now all of a sudden that makes the tank irrelevant again, especially against caster groups uh, in the arena if you need to bring them into you. So, having environmental design kind of emphasize certain class abilities to make those classes strong is another way of balancing and bringing those classes in. I also did like the idea that you had to list about introducing traps and hazards within the arena like all of a sudden uh, the after like five minutes the floor opens up in some areas and there's flames or spikes coming out of the ground now and if you fall in the pit you die you know like that depending on what the time to kill looks like especially in a 5v5 group because you don't really want your time to kill to be so fast that if all five people target and launch their strongest abilities on one person right away they're dead if, if you time it well and you just nuke somebody down they're dead that's not going to be really compelling, exciting gameplay. That's not going to be something that people are going to want to watch in an eSport if you just come in there, roll face. Well, but right. they, got, they got the first person down there. So now they're at a 5v4 advantage and it becomes easy, a lot easier for them there. So 
having that time to kill be appropriately balanced in that way that's going to be hard because if 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 you got some strong hitting abilities and you pick oh that person's wearing light armor and they've got a low health pool let's let's isolate them that's going to be hard now something else that makes that less likely in ashes is the lack of add-ons and not being able to see your Mm. opponents before you actually get them visually on your screen and be able to target them. Something I absolutely despise. And that's a huge, (laughs) huge turnoff for me in in WoW PvP was having these these add-ons where you could like see all of your your opponent's details, their their trinkets, and when they're on cooldown and all this stuff. Like not being able to see that on your opponents that that's the way it should be Absolutely. in my opinion that's going to create a lot more compelling and exciting gameplay and require that knowledge of the world of air require that knowledge of the other classes that you're not playing yep. and that's something like that the high level players they thrive in is yep. they know all of the abilities from mm-hmm. all the classes and what they do all of their effects like that's having that that's a skill cap and that skill cap to me, that should be the defining factor. As Metis mentioned, you know, gear is going to be 40 to 50% of your player strength. And that could be a barrier to this being an esport is having to earn that gear. But the rest of that, like skill cap has to be a huge factor in there. Or as you said, you're going to have people coming in there and just face rolling with you push a couple buttons and boom, there's my class, you know. Uh, you know i think that's a really good point though because you i'm sitting here like as we're talking i'm like coming up with some like ideas and just like sort of like letting our conversations fuel like what we're going to talk more about but i think that variety and the fact that there's like 64 class combinations and then talking about those top players in an esports area right in world of warcraft let's be real (laughs) If if Ashes of Creation delivers in the way that they're planning to with all of the, the eight classes and the variety up to 64 class combinations and augmentation is unique enough, that is going to make the potential for esports extremely innovative because those top people that are able and capable to really rise to the top, they're literally going to have to know all the archetypes and potential combinations intimately to be able to see either and without add-ons right without add-ons that are going to indicate anything so you're going to have to know like what these abilities do like what the different potential like styles or flavors of augmentation could potentially be impacting you and not even to take into consideration like potentially gear right like gear you know, differences and stuff, whether, you know, however that might come or however a player might be choosing to, um, you know, to what they use for, for PVP. So like all of that stuff's going to contribute like significantly, and you're not going to have things that are indicating to you what the other person is doing. Again, it's like with rating in, in, uh, ashes of creation In ashes of creation, you're going to have to look at those telegraphs. You're going to have to look at those like uh, placements on the ground of AOE effects. You're going to have to pay attention to like potentially the, if there's pop-ups for, you know, for the, for the boss or some text or whatever, you know, I'm charging my fireballs. If you see that, you're going to be like, oh, he's about to burst somebody. Maybe we need to make sure everybody's topped up. Or if he's about to do some big AOE damage, maybe I need to make sure everybody's bubbled or whatever we can do to help mitigate some of that damage. And in PVP, like, I feel that a PVP, like a person who's really focused on PVP and a person who's really focused on rating, a lot of times people say, well, 
you know, if you're really good at one, you're not good at the other. And I actually just, I disagree with that. I think that rating is a really great snapshot of situational awareness in a large group setting where you've got the NPC, right, element of the game that's going to, is basically what you're combating for the goodies, loot, the prestige. In PvP, you have to take that a step further and then you have to put in like, you have to account for for player behavior, right? Which can be very random and you can't, you can't do that in rating, right? So, but rating's a really great way to, I, from my perspective, as someone who's led raids and PvP groups and, and all of that, people that are like, I can't do PvP, I'm like, yes, you can. If you can do rating, if you can get to a point where you can get through that, you can absolutely do PvP. So when people say, I can't be a PvPer because I just raid, I'm like, homie, that's like half the battle because you're able to have situational awareness. You're able to listen to commands that are called out. You're able to know what other people's uh, other people in your group's abilities are going to do to help you right you should if you're a good raider all these things are very important but when you go do pvp especially uh, battlegrounds arenas you take that a step further to where you have to pay very close attention know what very specific abilities are going to do and learn sometimes what that particular player enemy players patterns are in that setting. And that's from my perspective, what always is key paying attention to know what a person's doing to kind of like, you know, see their pattern. So you can, um, combat that pattern and time to kill, I think is a really important component to that because I think it's important. There's enough time for a player to be able to recognize a pattern that they can combat. And that time to kill is the window's great enough to where, like you said, there's not really, at least from my perspective in esports, when I watch an esports scenario as, you know, a viewer watching it, like I sat there and watched like World of Warcrafts at BlizzCon. I got to watch it there, both live in person and via the, you know, like the broadcasted events that they had. And the thing that was really, you know, what made that exciting because time to kill couldn't happen because you couldn't kill somebody so quickly in that particular setting. Because of that, people, you know, you you were watching them. It's like, are they going to miss their ability? Are they going to land the cooldown when they're supposed to? Are they going to use it too quick? Or are they going to be too hasty? Are they going to... One of the traditional ones with healers and WoW arenas was who's going to run out of mana first? Because who overhealed? Or who made those mistakes? Or who didn't use their trinket at the right time? Or whatever. And all of those things, it is, it is classic clutch in those arenas man to where the really good players are getting down and you got like people getting so close on health and you're just at the edge of your seats waiting to see if they will surprise you and overcome these odds or just get cut down and then what happens can can their can their friends that are in that group you know continue and and somehow manage to make it work and redeem like this potential failure or or not and and it's that element right and this is why the elder scrolls from my perspective it'll never make it into esports because time to kill it's like nothing man even in if it was going to it would have been there already yeah it's been around long enough yeah exactly and battlegrounds too have been around for a long time now so there's another perspective on that 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 just kind of crossed my mind right like Mm -hmm. Horrendous mentioned it here as well, especially for casters. You know, 
if gear is supposed to make up 50% of your player power and you're going to have to choose, like, am I strong against, really strong against melee damage? Am I really strong against uh, essence damage? I'm going to call it essence instead of magic. Uh, or am <laughs> I kind of in the middle ground for both, right? Like if you build yourself glass cannon and, and you're really built yep. for damage and you're low on physical damage and medium on magical damage as a result or essence. Uh, anyway. Um, but you now get you got jump into a five v five arena and five people focus you and blast you. Maybe you should die quick, and maybe the fault, may, maybe the the strategy that needs to be taken, especially since player collisions a thing, is you need to be positioned far enough back that your meat shields are up front so that you're you cannot be targeted that way. Yeah, and that brings an element of strategy to it of positioning. And you sure you're a glass cannon, but you bet. Because of that, you have no defenses. You can be nuked down really quick, and you need to position yourself properly to play your class and play mm. your role. Otherwise, you are dead weight on your team. Right. And, and so, I think that that is an important consideration. You know, I agree one hundred percent. Like, Agreed. I think most classes should have the time to live to be able to use their cooldowns effectively if you miss the opportunity or if you're not on the ball then maybe you should be burst down quicker oh absolutely. i think yeah. i think a two a two minute match in a 5v5 scenario is a joke that'll never be competitive <laughs> but if you make it a five to ten minute match now that becomes something that where your decision making is really important and and that's where the skill cap comes in is what the decisions you make, positioning, when to use your abilities, where to use your abilities, when to not use your abilities. You know, sometimes it's better to hold them and then fold them. And that all really needs to come into factor. So that five to 10 minute match time, I think, would be a good place to look. And that's something that as an audience, you can get engaged in. And that's where the esport factor really comes in. Is this is this marketable? Is this entertaining for people to watch? And can the commentary have a, know enough about what's going on in the players to make it engaging and fun for the audience? Mm -hmm. So, you know, the sixty four different classes that brings a level. Like, I I don't know that any player is going to be able to sit there and be like, okay, I know exactly how this character is built. No, nope. because there's four schools of augment to each of those sixty four classes for each ability. So you, there will be a level that you just, as you said, that situational awareness and being paying attention, being able to react appropriately uh, of all the possibilities. That's the big one right here. So, yeah. And I want to you're going on. I was going to say in chat too. someone said, is, is this is esports something that's part of Steven's vision? No, but arenas are something that, you know, he's talked about since the very beginning and with arenas comes the potential for esports. So we're talking about that possibility. He, he, he said a quote back in um, a live stream in 2018. If we make the gameplay compelling, competitive and fun, yep. that naturally it will move in that direction and then we will find the ability to support it afterwards. Yep. So if the player base elevates competition to the point where it could mm -hmm. become marketed as an esport then intrepid will support it probably by introducing custom lobbies and tournament modes and custom schedules and things like that and uh, help with the marketing and promoting content creators to really promote the the esport avenue of it and this is where 
they also talked about having a spectator mode available for arenas just as a general thing in the game. Mm-hmm. I, please, please make that a thing. Like I'm not doing content anymore, but when I was, that was going to be one of my big things. It's like, if I can have a, mm-hmm. be able to go in and create my own custom lobby to host a tournament and then do a spectator mode to be able to stream that for my viewers or do YouTube videos on like, that's huge for the game. That is absolutely huge to be able to go in there and just watch a competition. So I really, really hope that that is a thing that they are able to implement. Maybe not right at launch, but in, in time, absolutely needs to be a thing. Yeah, I'm hoping so too. I'm hoping that real talk, like if if <laughs> if competitive arenas become a thing, like I will, I will have a really hard time not not doing that. Um, I can tell you right now. Because that's like one of my favorite things in MMORPG. It's one thing that the Elder Scrolls doesn't actually offer because technically their quote unquote arena style stuff is really just smaller scale battlegrounds. Instead of two sides, you get three and you get about the same amount of people. You get, well, technically you get what, 12, right? So you get, you know, it's basically a battleground, right? They don't actually have the arena. Their arenas are actually PvE content, what they call arenas in that game. Um, However, I love that that aspect of the game, like arena systems, battlegrounds that are done well and and raiding are like my favorite things. And I love being able to jump in and spend a day or two, like just kind of like, you know, really try harding for a little bit, you know, one thing, you know, and then going, okay, great. And then kind of take a break from it. You go to do the other thing. Maybe you got a day a week there, two days a week there, you know, and then you you got your chill content, too. So it's like having that variety to where it's like the only thing. I think it's important to have multiple layers of um, capability for, or not capability, but like possibility for a player to, who is capable to um, essentially like earn that in-game prestige. Because I think in a lot of ways in an MMORPG, when you don't have that, I think that actually is a problem for the game's longevity. That's just my perspective. I believe that because in games where I don't see that there's enough layers for that, I, it always seems to just kind of fall between niche and like kind of, you know, it kind of bounces, kind of bounces around and it has like an ebb and flow between like that. Like ESO is a good example, like prestige in that game. I mean, you know, you don't really see a lot of people in the world talking about like you know, world firsts in that game, do you? Or uh, champions of this content, you know, for this quarter or anything. World of Warcraft, it's like a constant thing. And that's my frame of reference because I think that's where they do it. Um, I'm not going to say necessarily they do it well, but they're able to capture the essence of that to where enough people are invested and you might determine that that's, that's doing well. Um, okay. Time to kill. Diminishing returns. CC. We know that stun locking is not going to be a thing, so I think this is going to work in the favor of time to kill. Um, we know diminishing returns are going to exist, so this is also... This is all very... I don't know. It's very promising for the prospect of for esports to potentially be a thing in Ashes. Um, I think the fact that they're going to have an arena system and they're going to have multiple servers, I think this is also good. Um, I think that also bodes well for the game because, um, you know, I don't know. Did you ever feel this way about watching an arena or an esports where when they're in an MMORPG where there's esports, you have a, a cutout of like the players. And it's like a lot of people are like, oh, shit, this person's from my server. Like that's kind of you, you sort of have this feeling of like that's a 
it's kind of like your server rep, right? Like they're like they've championed that's, enough to make it's it. Cheering for the home team, man. Exactly. <laughs> and I feel like that's really good for camaraderie and you know community sentiment. Servers, like it, it just kind of helps with that elaboration on uh, um, each server having its story. And Ashes has already got like a foundation for that. That's really good from a lore perspective. What's really cool about that, like the possibility of cross-server, which is something that they are considering for the arena system, is not everybody's going to have the same gear. Exactly. Like there's not going to be the, oh, I got to push for my <laughs> tier six raid yeah. gear mixed with my season three PVP rewards to have the best gear possible for my class. Like, no, 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 no. You might have no clue whatsoever what the hell these people are wearing or where it came from. And I'm not talking because of the cosmetics, but because of the node system and what dungeons and raids unlocked and how their server developed versus how yours developed. So that brings a really interesting dynamic. And you might see two completely different builds. So you might even have the right. same archetype, right? Like you might have two scions in there, ranger mages, for those of you that don't mm -hmm. know what that is, that you know, have more or less the same PVP oriented augments assigned to their abilities, but because of the different gear bonuses that they bring actually play differently or, or have different control effect on the battlefield. So like you might see things that you just couldn't possibly know about. And that's a really cool element too, to bring into this. I think so. Yeah. yeah, it definitely forces you to up your strategy game mm -hmm. and kind of a, a few of the things that you um, said, Hatfield, I, I definitely want to reiterate too. I think it, it's super important to um, to have those dynamics between players and have that differentiation between players in order to make things interesting. Because if the experience is repetitive, it's after a while going to tend not to be fun. I mean, I know, it, again, we kind of talk about those like I win button scenarios and in, in games right. like World of Warcraft. I mean, I, I assume it's fun for the person that's like using the one button to a point. It's definitely, you know, like you said, Sim, it's, it's a barrier to entry, like for folks that are maybe newer, but uh, I think that's like, you know, that's super important to have that level of differentiation and be able to have enough time to learn something. Um, I guess, you know, just not to necessarily pull single player games into this, but the one thing about Elden Ring that I, I do like, I mean, difficulty aside, is that you start to see patterns um, and those patterns ultimately allow you to have choice. And I think that's, while not exactly a parallel to an MMO experience, like, you know, like you said, some, you know, predictability is not something that you necessarily can tack to a player because they're, they're always going to be creative and do potentially do something you don't expect. Um, but I think that whole point of, okay, let me start understanding um, the encounter in terms of, you know, what a player could potentially do. And that might be, my personal experience playing said class uh, or, you know, said archetype combination, or it could be just from, you know, time spent in a PVP environment. Uh, and, and I think that, you know, that in and of itself, you know, gives me also hope, not to say that I've ever been in any competitive esports in my <laughs> past, but I think there is, there is definitely a very loyal 
segment of the MMO population that would really like that. And it also gives really good exposure to the game if done right. Um, and and kind of maybe the, the key takeaway for me is just like in the PvE scenario, choices need to matter. Um, and, and I feel like that's, again, the same thing um, in PvP. And, and, and I will say um, the themes of PvP and rating dual line i mean it's it's definitely about situational awareness understanding you know like you know your opponent whether that be like you know npc or not an npc and using the environment right because even in some of our more um beloved raids right it was a dynamic set of things you were doing you weren't just like it wasn't just a tank and spank right it was there was other elements that made it fun like you had to like move to certain areas of the room, you had to like, you know, have to had mentioned stand behind a pillar. Right, there's th- different things you can do to make that experience dynamic and and rewarding as well. And yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that's there's a lot of potential here um, to make this a thing. And, and and maybe my last point is just I do really like Stephen's approach. I think it's a very enlightened approach, and it's not again like he's saying okay well if if there's a market for it in terms of like player base and we have an engaging enough system where that organically forms then i'll invest in it but i'm not going to try to get that out of the gate and uh as as a system if i don't think there's going to be people that are leveraging it and that helps me kind of move backwards on some of my anxiety around scope creep um in, in complexity of the game, because if you're taking on too much at the start, right, everything tends to suffer. So I'm yeah. glad the approach is let's see what happens organically and then we will figure it out as well. Uh, that's really important as well, because if esport was a focus or if it becomes a big enough thing, the last thing the majority of the player base is going to want is that to influence game development or class uh, mm. balancing or progression in any way. And that is something that, you know, if, if it was a focus out of the gate, then that class balancing is going to be something that's more of a focus for that size of content that they're mm-hmm. trying to focus on. So if the 5v5 is what their focus was, then maybe they'd be trying to balance in more of a 5v5 versus the mo- more general all-encompassing focus of the 8v8 incorporating one of each archetype essentially Mm -hmm. you know i was sitting here smiling and uh those of you that are listening you you miss it because sometimes we'll be sitting here chatting and somebody's saying something and the other person just got the shitty and grin on their face and you know they're thinking something really funny and i've heard daedalus say multiple times how he's never been much of a pvp'er you know i am like i am i am the worst enabler in this area <laughs> i am the worst dude i'll be like come on data let's just give it one shot i'll be here's how i approach it. i'm like look man you just give it a shot we go in there kind of get your bearings and then see how you feel about it but then you go in and one really cool thing happens i'm like come on man we could totally do this we can totally rise up man a little bit further i think here's what we got to do and i am such an enabler when it comes to pvp i am so bad about this so Full transparency. I just want you to know I'm your friend. That's what you signed up for. <laughs> no, I, I'm, and, and I actually totally appreciate that because the this is the first game <laughs> that I have ever been engaged in 
that I'm actually I'm wanting to invest more time in PvP, right? Oh yeah. Not only the fact that it is a PvX game, but I think there I I feel because it's a PvX game that there's going to be something I'm going to miss mm. by not experiencing the whole thing. Like PvP and World of War World of Warcraft for me was like I could do it, I could not do it. I mean, yeah. granted, there was a min-max component to it, right? So I did it some, or if there was something really cool I could get, I, you know, I my PvP activity was in bursts, right? But it wasn't something that I ever considered, like, as part of the holistic experience. My focus was PvE and dungeons and rating and so on. Um, but I, and, and I think the other thing of it, too, is I never, outside of maybe some, like, brief exceptions, ever had like a solid like pvp contingent in any of the guilds that i was in like even when i was excited about like some of the pvp aspects it was very difficult to get into it and i had to yeah. go externally to be able to do that and even then it wasn't the type of experience that i would consider like a mentoring one where i was open to learn it was more mm -hmm. like you know okay you know, they they assess like level of skill and and I was a dude like that was defending the stables, right? I mean that 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 while it was still fun, right? I mean I still accomplished what I set out to accomplish, it still couldn't have been as fun or engaging um as I needed it to be to be something consistent. Now knowing like you know, knowing that Ashes has PvP kind of intertwined in the PvE experience and there's all this back and forth. Now I'm really motivated to learn. And so it won't be that tough of a sell for me to get into PvP because I'm going to kind of need to know what to do anyway as we get much. <laughs> you saw that too? Yeah, I was like, literally saw oh, that. I, 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 was, felt, I felt the radar going in. I'm like, oh, you, I'll be I kind of felt like it too. I was like, I feel like that's going to, I feel like someone's going to frame that. Just me. when I think she didn't get it, she pulls us back in. Yeah, every just time. Like, just like Sim and the PvPs and the ultimate defense. Okay, so anyway, oh. um <laughs> anyway. Unbelievable. You know Unbelievable. That was coming. Every that was time, coming. man. It could be worse. You could have ninja looted something. I don't know. Yeah. You can't hey, so you can't really do that in PvP. Oh, wait, you might be able to in Ashes though. Never yeah, mind. I know. Yeah. Probably, <laughs> probably not in the arenas though. Right. I, yeah. So we're never gonna see Sim in the arenas. He's just gonna sit outside and gank everybody coming out of the instance. <laughs> no, no, there wasn't what main. Ganking, he would be going after the gankers because he wants somebody that's corrupted so he could, you know, loot their stuff. I totally would I, I'm going to be honest. I bait, I'm such a baiter. <laughs> like I bait people so hard. You know what I mean? Just I play on that emotional state and I'm like, come on, man. In world PVP, it's my favorite thing to do. You see somebody who just basically is untempered, right? They let their feelings get the best of them. That's what I enjoy the most. Like I'm one of those people, like if I get really frustrated, I generally end up getting to the point where like, I actually just like get really focused because I just want to get them. And then usually it's very gratifying when, when things work out. But, man, I someone's about to say something there, right? Wow. I Really, Daedalus? Can we not? I'm not even saying that out loud. That's filthy. That's horrible and disgusting. Hey, even Cheryl thought of it. You you know. Oh, you know come it, on, I man. Had to be done if Cheryl thought about it. Bay, like freaking a worm on a hook. Y'all are dirty. Anyway. I'm not right. I'm I'm literally 
I, I blame the LFM podcast negative influence on me. I, I really have nothing to say about that. You, you're probably right. Um, it's fine. <laughs> It's probably fun. There's a lot of things there that luckily have not made their way over to this show. Thankfully, let's not talk about them, Daedalus. If they're going to happen, let them happen naturally by the people that listen and watch. Let's not make it a thing. It's a very different show over there. Um, Yeah, it's a very different show over there. So we're keeping this um, just below them rating. Right. So. <laughs> okay, cool. Now we got that cleared up. Um no, I, I want to go back to something half till was talking about. I think actually both of you talked about though. You know, and I think back to like those really good experiences in WoW Arenas specifically. It's like, could you get stun locked? I mean, well, yeah, technically you could get chain stunned, right? And like a rogue could sap you. And let's I'm just gonna throw numbers out there. Uh, Rogue could sap you. It's like, okay, it's for four seconds, right? They sap you again. It's like three seconds. They sap you again. It's like one second, right? So they could use the same stun ability and incapacitate you in a row, but you didn't get to do it for the same amount of time. But there were, there were, there was checks and balances, right? Because like a paladin could use like hand of freedom on somebody if they were like immobilized and that would break them out of mobilization, right? Or somebody could cleanse something off of you that was disorienting you, right? So there were things that, um, and this goes back to something else you talked about with hoping that there's enough um, uniqueness to the classes, something that they offer on their mo- their own, to where you're going to want to have one or the one or the other of a specific class because of what they can offer in utility. And I think that's also going to be very important in in arenas or PvP scenarios where you really want there to be a competitive element. Um, and I think with Ashes, something that that it you know, possibly actually does offer in a way that other other games potentially, well, they really don't, but they could offer in Ashes, is we already know Stephen talked about uh, like caravans and things of that nature and castle sieges and, and stuff like that having sort of like seasons, right? Like ranked seasons, which is great. I mean, I think, I think that if, you know, you do you know, esports and stuff like that. There's, there is the potential. I don't want to reach too far here, but there is the potential that these seasons around some of these other game systems could, could become, could kind of tie into that. Um, so I think it's possible. I think caravans have the potential to offer something in that area. I don't know that caravan specifically really would, but it is a defender and attacker thing, and so is castle sieges, node sieges, right? Some of those things. I think the, there has to be enough frequency in whatever that system is in order for people to be able to, like, you know, really gauge it seasonally. I think the mentor system, even though it's probably not something we'd see in esports, is definitely a system in the game that has the potential to showcase some sort of like prestige around helpfulness as a mentor, you know, with seasons. And that could be someone's thing. And it wouldn't be a super taxing uh, prospect in terms of like, you know, you know, tracking that analytically and providing rewards to somebody who ranks, because I think any area in the game where you can provide an element of prestige, esports is is like sort of like at the peak of that uh, framework, isn't it? Um, I, it's an interesting approach because 
I think scheduling and frequency of event, the ability to just queue up and do the event yeah. is a huge factor of that. Absolutely. Nodes, he just aren't on a schedule at all. They mm-hmm. are 100% player instigated and at no small cost or effort. Right. So I ca- node sieges uh, uh, to me is an automatic there's no, no way that, that could ever that. be an esport a castle siege would be a really cool event to monthly. have in esport it is scheduled monthly there are five castles per server that are could be sieged i mean if nobody signs up to attack then it doesn't happen but <laughs> it could be a thing and i think from a viewer perspective it could be a lot of fun to watch a castle siege as long as it doesn't take an hour and a half to to happen you <laughs> that's a long time to hold people's interest for basically the length of a movie every now for each match. Mm-hmm. So it would need to be a little bit quicker than that um, to be engaging on a competitive level True. to the point where you're sp- having teams being sponsored to play this and basically live their life around this. Right. Um, I think it would really need to be something that they offer as a separate piece. And this is where maybe opening up APOC servers, yep with you know current game uh, combat and mechanics and maybe you can copy your character over and use that gear or whatever or it has its own system that way i could see it becoming an esport then true but as a component of the mmo itself i don't think it will be and maybe Mm -hmm. that's something where you know as steven said if the gameplay is compelling enough then we'll find it supportive it could could become Mm -hmm. that way where it's like okay the player base really likes this put a create a different variant of this that is is a little bit shorter and make that a separate component and there we and we can go with that so yep and i uh yeah I, i'm a huge proponent of the apoc uh apoc being a really great uh yeah really great for like esports or just other things in general so i'm totally on board with that you know because if you had apoc you had the MMO and then let's say in some random world where they decided that they wanted to make one of their tavern games, it's some standalone game. Right. And then make that something that people can do competitively. You've literally got, I mean, that's there's esports around that too, for world of Warcraft or more specifically blizzard, right? Heroes of the storm, um, Hearthstone, right? You've got Starcraft, which is not, you know, their MMO or whatever, but you have that and you've got, um, you had like seasons with Diablo, but it didn't, it wasn't like esports really related. And then you had like all of the stuff we mentioned with World of Warcraft already. So I think that there's really good, you know, references there for, um, things that could be incorporated into an Ashcon one day where you go to like an Ashcon and you go there or Intrepid Con or whatever, and you go there and you've got like a few different games. I 100% agree. I, I believe that if APOC as a side, you know, side game, right, it already ties into the MMORPG anyway, but imagine being able, like, it's a good, it's a great uh, opportunity for, for guild masters or PvP leaders to literally go and practice sometimes, like, in between, you know what I mean? Especially if the mechanics are similar in some way. Um it's a really great opportunity to practice for that monthly castle siege where you, you want to be sort of like well polished and ready to roll and not feel like, you know, you waited a month until you kind of got back into that headspace. So the only, yeah, the only downside I see of that is like, again, I don't know if their strategy is going to change for the APOC um, piece or not, but I think it 
some point, right? APOC had kind of a different set of, or at least the, the, the theory was that they would introduce a different set of classes from the MMO. So right. for me, it's a question of focus. Um, and obviously, mm. if there's a separate team, that's a completely different story. But um, but I do feel like maybe like you were saying, Sim, some of the core like strategic elements might remain in terms of like combat, not necessarily in terms of like dealing with mechanics. Because obviously, you know, that that type of you know battle royale is not going to necessarily dictate how the mechanics in terms of like the environment will work with something like a castle siege or a node siege for that matter um mm. either but i do feel like there's got to be some um opportunities regardless in the game to be able to practice and that could be dual functionality but that is kind of limited um but i still think that should be a factor um, I think having uh, the uh, caravans as well is a good thing. And I think the mm. fact that they're also player initiated, it makes me wonder, depending on how frequently they are, will there be just in general, like, I don't want to say NPC initiated, but there could there be like a regular schedules for that too? Or is it more on demand? And that's maybe something that I would like to, understand is like you know if, if i've got goods that i need to move like at some point there's going to be saturation in the market or i'm going to need to move my base of operations from one node to the other right what's going to be that trigger and how often you know should that or could that occur because that that's obviously a great opportunity for open world pvp there as well uh, and again it's it's maybe you know a similar like way to or to practice than the broader game might have too. Um, granted, there's going to be like different environmental factors, but the mm. dynamics of combat you can you can test fairly quickly in those situations, and that's where again, right? We talked about time to kill there being a balance, and that's where time to kill is also going to be important too, um, because it could mean the difference between winning or losing that caravan, and and that's mm -hmm. I guess and. Someone refresh my memory if, if you all don't know off the top of your head, but I couldn't remember if the caravan piece was somehow instance as well, and only somebody that signed up could join or not. Um, I believe that was the case. I, I believe but that also. Yeah, it is. That it's okay. instanced. Well, I figured that instanced. the sign the signing up would dictate whether or not you gained corruption from the combat. Corruption yeah, from the I, combat? I think, yeah, that was more yeah, 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 If you're, if you're not a registered yeah, yeah. defender or attacker of the caravan right. siege, right. That, but you decide to put, yep. insert yourself in the situation yep. and kill somebody, you will get corruption. Cor correct, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. that's what I was getting at. I, I think I used instance, but I meant more like, is it exclusive, right? Is, can somebody jump in, uh, you know, as part of that too? And, um, and I guess that's good, right? Because it it once again gives you an opportunity to leverage strategy versus saying, hey, our caravan's getting attacked. And then, you know, you might have your guild or alliance relatively close that could come in and help. And, you know, and that could be like a thing, like a strategy where most everybody hides in the wings. And then you think the caravan's very lightly armed um, or defended. And then you go in and then you get, you know, zerged. 
Yeah. Shooters. See, that's that's an interesting thing because I could see that being a big strategy. It's like, hey, totally. let's bring our guild of 100 people out to go with the caravan. Yep. Who cares if you're registered or not? If you get corrupt, we'll protect you while you go out and kill things and do what you need to do to get uncorrupt. Or we'll kill you ourselves to uncorrupt you and, and, and just not loot your stuff. Or we'll take your stuff and give it right back to you. Like that, that, that could be a way of completely gaming the system. So yep. maybe if you're not a registered attacker or defender, you get uh, an invincibility against any exterior influence or outside influence. That's not a registered version of that to avoid having these Zerg effects. Cause absolutely that Zerg will still come in and not care. Right. If you've got a 300 person guild, that's that, all they care mm-hmm. about is just dominating the area. That's exactly what they're going to do. They'll game the system and they'll get away with it every single time yeah. until the server comes together and either leaves them alone or wipes them out. Wipes in which case, that, you know, so that's, that's an interesting fact. I, Cause I can see that being a huge thing with yeah. the castle caravans that are going to be carrying the tax exactly. money from the nodes back to the castle before the siege so that they can bolster their defenses with yeah. that gold. So that like that caravan is going to be such a key strategy for the attackers of that castle siege to try to seize. Right. Yeah. And the thing, too, is I remember them talking about because they had been talking about this. So it's, it's you know, they I remember Stephen talking about this, too, because the, the conversation was. Um, and there's not like a definitive answer yet on like what this looks like because they haven't decided fully yet. But I know that there were people I don't remember if it was like related to a Q&A or a question at the end of the um, at the end of one of their developer live streams or if it was like something that came from chat that day. I feel like it was a question, but this was months ago and like several months back. The, the the question basically related to like, well, what happens when if a caravan's destroyed and the, the portion that is sitting there for the caravan to be looted, like if people are fighting over it, like how's that going to work? And if I remember correctly, didn't he say, and you may, whether you guys remember this or not, but essentially like it'll disappear after a certain point if it's not looted, but you also aren't able to just loot it really quickly <clears throat> if like people are attacking you or something like that. So I don't remember exactly where he went with that. But that there was something that they were thinking about or like they like they hadn't made up their mind yet. But there was definitely like a time frame in which like if it wasn't looted and people were fighting over it still, like something could just disappear. Right. And you wouldn't get it all um, or the attackers well, wouldn't. get. Yeah, it I remember that. I was actually just thinking that when you mentioned that there was something and sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I remember. No, I, I don't remember. I was just say I know that a portion of the goods are naturally destroyed during right. the siege. That, that was going to be my only comment. Oh yeah, no, I meant the caravan itself. The the caravan itself when it was destroyed, yeah. So I, I know a portion are gone, and I can't remember if like there's a portion people get, and then there's like the chunk that's there, or if you have to like loot the chunk and then it's distributed to the people. I I'm having a hard time remembering exactly, but I do remember him talking about what's there to loot may not be there for very long. So like this is yeah, like there's that. a time to loot as well. Right? Yeah, it's, it's kind of like a progress bar or something so you could be interrupted yeah absolutely yeah and i think that's good too because it it helps from sorry i interrupted you but it helps from a strategic perspective too right because it's not like okay we lost okay game over no we have maybe a chance to recover something as well which is good see it's like this is like something they're they're going to be cautious about because like half tilt was talking about if you have a zerg group like imagine all those like a group of rogues 
all just like invising around bushes or something, right? Waiting because you know they're gonna do this, right? Just chilling and observing and waiting for the fight to come in, like to be done. And then right as it's done, they come through and try to wipe everybody out and just take that shit. It oh, it's so gonna happen. That's so gonna be a strategy. So like, there's gotta be oh, like a yeah. balance to that, like a way to work to combat like that just being stolen and like so quickly, as opposed to you know there being some time to actually fight over it even if that's a circumstance so i, I don't know what the best answer this is, is one of my biggest fears with just open world pvp everywhere in general like this mm. where there is such a consequence where you you know you're good <laughs> at least it's only raw materials that they can take from True. you so it, it's not like they're coming in and taking wiping your character sheet or or something like that so that that that's a little bit of a counterbalance to that, and I understand that this is to build that community aspect of rallying other your allies together, rallying the the people of the server that just don't want to put up with this crap and come out and fight these guys, um, and try to you know push them back <laughs> to where they came from, so to speak. But I do worry that you know, that kind of behavior will deter a lot of the more casual players that you might come in. In a game where uh, community participation and server population is so incredibly fundamental to the game design and success to rotate nodes, that 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 is something that's always been on my mind. And ultimately, we're just going to have to wait and see. But they, it can the game cannot be too punishing. I think is basically what I'm trying to get. I at. agree. Is like these systems are great in theory, and they sound like a lot of fun. But don't make them so punishing that you know, for somebody that can play ten hours a week at tops, that they now have just lost six hours of gameplay over one event that they had no control over, so to speak, or got taken advantage of because somebody waited in the wings and didn't care about gaming the system in a way mm-hmm. that to me, that's something that's like, okay, you know, what? I just wasted six hours of my life. Now I gotta go back and do all that again. Like, that's not fun. I'm going to go play something else. So mm-hmm. I, I agree. And I, I agree with your perspectives. I have to ask, have to, were you about to giggle in the middle of that? Because you read chat. Is that what that was? <laughs> No, I, I think I was just wrong. fumbling on my words. Probably, nope. I wasn't. I haven't been reading nope. chat while I was talking, but I'm, it's fine. I was just making sure because there's this whole time you've been talking. There's this all this nonsense. So, Nero starts by saying, "Sounds like a dark sim daydream." There, I don't. There's no basis or ground for you to say that based on what I said. I was talking about other people and the bad shit I've seen happen. Okay, I don't even know why that would happen. And then, and then you got Daedalus in here, all giggles as Half Tilt's talking. Right, not even paying attention of the conversation right how disrespectful I have okay hold on he prefers alt sim and i'm like oh come on and then and then control alt plus alt plus sim in chat sounds like a good t-shirt idea and what's your idea though daedalus but i have a question for you guys before we wind this one down but please do elaborate enlighten me Okay, so I mean, in terms of your um in terms of your example about the rogues that we've been talking about i think <sighs> Ultimately, that's going to come down to counterbalance dynamics. And there's mm-hmm. going to be, I expect, going to be classes that have some sort of perception that could potentially, right? Because I don't want it to be a guaranteed thing because there, I would prefer. And again, this is coming from a relatively inexperienced, you know, PVPer who gets ganked more than he comes out on top. I still want there to be some 
point and counterpoint to this so that there's a tactic you, you know, you can do, but there's a risk as well of you, you know, getting shot down because somebody has a better tactic or knows how to counterbalance your tactic. And at the end of the day, while it does suck to invest a ton of time into something and kind of lose it, whether it be like, you know, through just the PVP situation or something else, I do agree, like not necessarily having like the um, something that you have some control over is a bad thing. But at the end of the day, this game has been the vision has always been risk versus reward. So if right. you really need to move a lot of goods right from one node to the other, you have a choice, right? My choice could be. Okay, I'm all in. I'm putting everything in this. If if something happens, it happens. And then how do I mitigate that risk? Okay, I get a lot of friends, right? Or a lot of people in my alliance or in my node that know that these goods will do something for them. So it does take communication to be able to coordinate that. Or you could go the safer route to say, look, let me test the waters. Let me take like a third of my resources and do it. So in my opinion, it the barrier to entry is got to be kind of fluid based on the risk versus reward um and you do need to make sure you minimize the amount of i win mechanics so definitely this should come out in testing i hope it all comes out in testing or at least the majority of it so that that way we can have a compelling experience that does still give us that risk versus reward and, mm -hmm. and i don't want to say forces us but encourages us to take choices uh, between uh, you know between you know, what I'm going to do with a caravan or how I'm going to approach attacking and or defending. I mean, there's there's definitely going to need to be that level of dynamic for it to be interesting and engaging. And and to your point, you know, not too punishing. But I think, again, right, all of that right now seems to me to be in the player's control. Now, obviously, we haven't layered on the actual combat mechanics and and even in like a major part, we've gotten glimpses and vertical slices of what that combat situation is going to look like. Um, but I still feel like right now I'm seeing a lot of that being in um, in the player's hands to a point mm -hmm. without more evidence to say, OK, maybe we need to course correct. I, I, I think where because I, I agree, like we don't want to navigate away from that one of the main pillars that makes the game what it is i think the death penalties is, is kind of what i had in mind without mm. really saying it out loud uh when i was talking about not making it so punishing um because absolutely yeah if you're gonna take the risk of putting your goods in a caravan right. and you lose the siege or you you lose your caravan in a caravan siege absolutely that that is 100 percent those goods are gone completely like that's a risk you took even if it was a necessary one uh, for you to make any pro prog progression with those goods. It's, I think, more so where I was thinking of in co conjunction with Sim's example. If you get, if you win that siege, say your caravan gets destroyed, now you have to loot these goods, or you still win the siege, but now there's a bunch of people just waiting in the wing, waiting for the outcome of the battle, and then just come and wipe out what's left of the remaining forces, and then take everything. That would suck. Because that wasn't part of the initial caravan siege, but at the same time, that is a risk of transporting goods in the game. So, yeah, there, there there's a, a, a area where we're going to have to find a balance there. I don't think making people immune to dropping stuff 
even if they die is is an appropriate answer either because that now that defies one of the gameplay pillars so yeah it'll be a very interesting thing to see in testing the ratio of things that you know you lose maybe for a period of time after successfully defending your caravan you don't drop as much stuff or your that caravan can't be sieged for x amount of time or travel distance or something so we'll have to wait and see yeah absolutely and i think uh like I don't want to say limiting it, but like making sure that if you did actually win the battle and you've wiped out the enemy players that were trying to attack your caravan, you have like somewhat of a grace period, right? In order to get things before, um, you know, before you might get attacked again. So that that way, again, it's kind of balanced. It's still something that's there's a sense of urgency around it. You can't just like loiter and then like loot, Mm -hmm. you know, as you go. But you still need to be able to have some sort of way to, um, again, make it more dynamic without it being uh, a situation where you um, you don't really have a choice. And it's 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 a very, um, I would say, unfun scenario right there's still got to be that risk versus reward so you can't again you can't loiter you might have some time you're not necessarily immune but at least you have some time for people that might have died to run back if that's the case i don't know if it's going to be like a one shot one kill type of situation with caravans how that's going to actually work but that could be ways you can address it too is like longer cooldown timers or something like that to give you a fighting chance versus it being like an all or nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. I think, I think that I agree with you both. And I think the main thing that you, you both have very well outlined here is what I'm going to say in short form. That is in regard to these dynamics in the game, it's going to be very important that they balance the risk versus reward element, which is one of their core pillars. And the other foundational component, which is player agency, right? And I mean, I think that 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 sort of teeter totter or sort of uh, you know scales balancing act and trying to make sure that that's balanced well is is really going to be, I think, foundationally, what's going to m- ensure that this delivers, this system delivers. Um, with that being said, with I know that we're getting uh, close on our time here, um, I want to ask a final question and I'm piggybacking off of what Balrog 21 said. He's also in chat here under a different name on the forums, which is what are the top five things or really what are the top things that you'd like to see from the March live stream? Now, when is the live stream, right? Submissions are due by the 23rd of March, which is this Wednesday, right? 23rd of March, 11 a.m. Pacific. And the live stream is going to be on Friday, the March 25th at 11 a.m. Pacific, right? So if you want to get a question in, do it by Wednesday and uh, make sure you're there for the live stream this coming Friday. And again, as always, the Ashes post show that I've been doing for years now will follow right after their live stream or shortly after their towards the end of their live stream where we gather your feedback and your thoughts and we put it together for us to discuss here on the Pathfinder podcast that following Sunday. Um, but gentlemen and everybody, final thought to you all, what are you hoping to see and really wanting to see in the upcoming March developer live stream from Intrepid Studios? Uh, character creator. I'm actually really, I'm even more excited about it since we've been playing City of Heroes, which, you know, as we've talked about, has a lot of 
really great um, things that they've incorporated in their character creator. So I'd like to see that. If it's in a state that, you know, Stephen's happy to show it in, um, definitely would love to see that. Would love to see maybe a little bit more about their roadmap. Maybe it's not something they publish because I know they tend not to do that just for reasons. But I would like to see maybe a little bit more about their future plans and and maybe some like high level timing, um, though I think that's probably less realistic than actually seeing the character creator. But those are probably like my top two. The third would be just any more they can show us on the races. I thought that went over really well what they did show. So being able to see that um, from an art perspective would be good to uh, art and environment perspective. Character creator has to be kind of a, a number one for me too. Um, basically because it's something that they've already said is coming. And now we're just kind of waiting for it to be in that acceptable state to be publicly showcased. So absolutely. that That's a big one. Um, I don't think we ever did get it after alpha one or towards the end of alpha one but when, when they were really talking about the ranger class but i would love to hear a little bit more about where that design went i remember they yeah. had it slated to to be introduced and then pulled it back again because bow mechanics weren't working properly right. and then there was the combat system redesign happening at the same time and obviously dealing with that class and how it just its abilities interact with other class uh players and npcs is a big component of that so it would be nice to hear where their design is on that what their approach is on that i would love to hear are they going to look at something mm -hmm. that's more of a hit scan versus a ballistics depending on if they're going action or yeah. just simply um, tab targeting um another thing i would really like to hear it, it falls in line with a roadmap in, in a way um it's just kind of the individual system progression in their design and how it's becoming as a workable within the game environment like how is this the caravan system progressing how is the node system progressing how yep. is the mayoral system progressing like all these different things just kind of getting an idea like are we 50 percent? are we 60 percent? what does that look like is that like six more months of development time like a, a, a breakdown on any or all of the systems would be really of, of the main systems would be would be cool to kind of give us an idea of where they are at and would give us you know month over month a ways of kind of just seeing progression in a way even if it's more just them saying this is where we're at right now versus last month where, where we were at and the month before we we're at but incorporating something like that into their monthly live streams would give us something yeah, I agree. And I think that, um, yeah, for me, it's going to be I do want to know where the character creator is. I don't think I'd be really bothered too much if we waited even another month for that. I think I think for me, this is what I'd like to see just more of in general. And that is uh, where are we kind of at on progress towards whatever it is you're saying you are wanting to showcase. Right. Whether we're talking alpha two whether we're talking about the character creator, right? Whether we're talking about combat, whether we're talking about, um, you know, uh, for example, uh, I don't know, like posting the content on the website that you were talking about doing or uh, the regular um, creative director, le director letters that we were supposed to be getting quarterly that we've, we've stopped getting after the second quarter of last year. Um, you know, I mean, look, 
hate hate to be that guy that has to kind of call that out, but I mean, this is constructive criticism. This is consistency. I think is important, and I just want to put that out there because look, I can't always be all daisies and rainbows and all that. Like whenever there's something that I think is definitely um, a bit problematic, um, specifically, you know, I'm advocating for you know community members who have been continuing to express this as well. I got to say it. Um, it's probably my that's probably my main criticism right now is uh, that consistency that was there. I think it's diminished a bit. And uh, I think just that, if I could just see that more consistent again, I think I'd be pretty happy with wherever they're at. Um, and that, like, like I said, um, sharing where we're at on that progress bar isn't determining and stating a date that is a promise you're going to be worried about breaking, right? In any of that stuff. Um so I think I'd just like to see consistency in that. I'd like to see that reflected in the future development live streams. I think it's great everything we're seeing, right? Don't get me wrong. Um, but this is my main criticism right now that I that I have. Um, still think they're working hard, obviously, doing a great job. Um, tons of amazing takeaways from, from the live streams, whether we're getting more of a show one versus a tell one. But this is the thing that I'd like to see um, more consistency in. And I'd like to see that starting the upcoming live stream. And I hope that it starts to kind of get back on track in that regard. Cause I do think in some ways that, that that's deviated a bit and I'm not really too sure what the cause of that deviation has been, but I do feel that it is a deviation at this point. Um, so that's really all I've got. Um, with that being said, you know, whether you're watching this or listening to it, um, you know, as always, leave the comments. Let us know what you think. We'll definitely talk about it on the next podcast. Um, we're doing the Pathfinder post show, or at least I am, every time we do these at the end. And it's just kind of random battery discussion points. Um, sometimes it helps to develop Ashes Talks we do. Sometimes it helps to develop uh, upcoming uh, just content pieces and, and community things that we're kind of focused on outlining. So always stay tuned for that at the end of the show if you're interested in hanging around for more chats. Um, again, you got to be here live on Twitch um, on Sundays at 5 p.m. Central whenever we do that um, in order to participate in that. So um, with that being said, gentlemen, why don't you shout out your domains and where you're at when you're not on the show, Daedalus? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at The Ashen Herald and on YouTube, youtube.com slash C slash The Ashen Herald. And half tilt. Uh, you can reach me over on Twitter at half underscore tilt or shoot me a message on Discord, half tilt gamer. There you go. And as always, you know, uh, really appreciate everybody who's been so supportive of this podcast and this community and just the content here as a whole. Um, but as always, you know, we might be at the end of today's show. Um, just want to remind all of you, whether you are listening to this, watching it on YouTube, or you catch us here live, if you contribute, if you're part of this journey, you're part of this family, this community here around the Pathfinder show and Ashes, you too are an Ashes Pathfinder, right? So much love to all of you. Much love to Intrepid Studios. And until next week, live your best lives. Walk in the light. Have a great night, friends. We'll see you next week. Bye for now. Take care, everybody. Folks. Take care.